Good morning, folks, and welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast. Today, I'm here with Ethan Rosen, the founder of You Apparel, an apparel company founded three years ago. They make all their material out of recycled water bottles, which is nuts, dude. That's right. We're out here uh, basically leveraging existing technologies that have been in Taiwan for years um, and hoping to make the world a better place um, via industry. So thanks for having me, Zach. Dude, so stoked to have you. You're a young entrepreneur. You're the sexiness of Ethan. There's a lot <laughs> There's a lot about you that fascinates me. So you apparel is just one of the things. But can you tell me a little bit of how you decided to start you apparel? Yeah, sure. Um, like everything else in my life, um, unfortunately, <laughs> it started out with a crush. Um, mm. So you apparel, I was rowing at Georgetown. Um, I was going to practice 6.30 a.m. and going straight to Chinese class where I had a crush on a girl. I won't say her name for her sake. For her sake. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out that girl. <laughs> we never ended up being yeah, together yeah, anyway. Fine. But um, so, yeah, um, I was going to... I was going to class and I just was always showing up in my smelly spandex and I reeked. Even my teacher commented on it a few times. Oh. She's like, Sean, I'm Cho. Oh, what is that? Oh, so it's Mandarin. That's Mandarin right there oh. for you guys. It means you're stinky. Uh, Say it again. Need a Sean, I'm Cho. Need a Sean. Oh, God, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <Move forward. laughs> so, yeah, so she she's telling me I'm stinky. Um, and I'm like, you know, looking everywhere. I'm like, I need some shorts that I can throw on after practice. Maybe they have a netting so that like I have, it's like built-in underwear. So I look Nike, Under Armour, uh, Lululemon, all different brands, Chubbies. And I never found what I wanted in terms of like just something that was fashionable, functional, and affordable. I go, I like, I go to class. I look good. I'm not spending a ton to have these shorts because I needed a few of them. I'm going to practice six days a week, you know. Um, so then fast forward six months later, I'm in Taiwan and I and I'm sweating through my khaki shorts because it's like 120 degrees with humidity there. And I'm like, all right, now is the time I'm gonna make this company. Uh, met a manufacturer there. They're like, why is this white guy in my office? Like, how did he get here? <laughs> His Chinese is not that good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um but you went into the manufacturer when you were in Taiwan? Totally. Like just went on like maps, nice. basically the equivalent of maps in Taiwan. Maybe it was like Google Maps. And I was yeah. like, where's the manufacturers? Looked up one, what? found them, you went can... in their office. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that just that that blows me away. You can literally look up on Google right now, like Taiwanese manufacturers. Maybe you go on Alibaba, but basically <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You just go there. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to go into their offices like blind like that, yeah. but I did it. Um, and my uh, manufacturing partner in Taiwan was pretty impressed with the fact that I was just in college. And she was like, you know what? I'll support you. I'll make minimum smaller quantities for you to just get started. You seem like you're serious about this. You come, I told her like, a lot of Asian culture comes talks that they, they like the idea that you come from a family of something, right? So like mm. you talk about your parents more than you probably talk about yourself. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like it's all about your lineage and like the fact that my dad was in retail and like maybe there was opportunity for them to possibly work with them at some point. When my dad was possibly enough leverage to just get my foot in the door. Wow. And from there brought in 530 shorts, sold them to whoever would buy them. <laughs> And got a quick break when Columbia Rowing ended up buying like 30 pairs and leveraged that to start selling like 
every team in America. Now we sell 150 teams. And it's just been, uh, that. I guess that's the history of it. And it just wow. grew from there and then built out a direct-to-consumer model online and just been working my butt off ever since. <laughs> Hell yeah, Ethan. Can you, can you tell me about that specific moment, though, that the we've talked about this before, but I want you to bring it onto the podcast. Sure. What, what was that moment like to actually decide to start the company? Yeah, uh, the moment that I started the company was quite funny because, you know, I mean, aside from ordering the, you know, I'm 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 pretty uh, I'm for risk. I'm not risk averse in any way or form. Um, as you've seen, we were rafting yesterday. I loved oh, yeah. it, like big time, baby. It didn't class feel like five, Ethan, dude. <laughs> <laughs> class three, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. I mean, that was my first time rafting, and I loved it. Like, it, I I like I like pushing the boundaries, and mm. for me. There was never a point in my mind where I said, like, I wouldn't be able to sell those 530 shorts. But the infrastructure around, like, selling those shorts was not there. So I'm sitting in my room in Taiwan, and I'm like, I don't even have a name for this thing. Like, what am I going to call it? So I called my buddy Matt, who um, is actually from Denver. And he's super artistic. Uh, he actually is a jeweler. He's a blacksmith. He's done all these apprenticeships. He's a really cool guy, and he... He's, I mean, just all, like really creative. And I'm like, Matt, what do I name this thing? Like, <laughs> I have no clue. He's like, I like the idea of you define yourself. So maybe you should Whoa. just call it something with a U. It's like, all right, you apparel. And that was the kind of so way it went. Dude. And, you know, that's kind of the controversial part about building a company. A lot of people put a lot of effort into naming something or like making everything perfect. But for me... It was more about just getting sales out there and showing that I made this product that was actually awesome, you know? And the product would speak for itself. It wasn't going to be about the name. It wasn't going to be about the marketing at first. It was going to be about just selling a really awesome product. Um, and I guess it worked. Um, wow. So I think moral of the story, executing may be more important than just perfect perfecting the process beforehand. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's a wisdom nugget. That's a wisdom nugget. That's one. Boom, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> Damn, dude. So, what do you want people to think of when they put on a, something from you, Apparel? Like, what do you, what do you want the brand to be associated with? Yeah. So nowadays, now that we've so when we first started, you Apparel it wasn't made uh, from recycled water bottles, the fabric. Um, but the the goal I was always going for was a fashionable, functional, and affordable affordable product um, that when you wear you kind of feel like you're wearing nothing. You know, a lot of people say that the fabric, it's purposely a very lightweight fabric and it almost just feels like you're wearing underwear or nothing uh, when you're wearing your apparel. Um, and that's kind of the idea that I'm going for and marketing towards that everyday athlete. Mm. Wow. And Ethan's the kind of guy, he likes to walk around his house naked. So I can totally imagine why you'd want to find a fabric that feels like nothing. <laughs> you got it off. You're already trying to get your clothes off. In fact, if you were to look at Ethan right now, he's literally just in his boxes in sandals. So, <laughs> it's, it's pretty hilarious. So thank you once again, Ethan, for coming on the podcast. Love that you're on here right now. No, I appreciate it. This is a, a ton of fun. Hell yeah, dude. So can you tell me a little bit more about what it's what the life of a young entrepreneur looks like? Like what are your what is a tip, what is a day in the life of Ethan? Yeah, sure. Um I would start by saying that no day is the same. Um, and it's kind of like you're always, it's kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. So essentially you whack oh. one mole 
and two moles come up <laughs> and then you whack those two moles and four moles oh, come. Oh, I love that. And it's essentially a, a game of problem solving. So every, I mean, all I want to do is continue to grow this business. You know what I mean? And it's really important that you continue to solve those problems that are inhibiting that growth and finding the bottlenecks within that process, whether it's your supply chain, your marketing, even just the platform in which you sell your, your whatever, your goods. Um, it's all about optimizing those things. Um, so for me, um, I'll wake up, I'll generally make sure that there's no like fires that I have to put out. And then I'm looking to solve the next problem or um, push the boundaries in terms of what I'm doing already. So recently, one of the big projects that we're working on for You Apparel is figuring out how to grow through influential influencer marketing and also grow our uh, direct-to-consumer marketing via social media. So optimizing that ad spend and optimizing the sales funnel. Essentially, the sales funnel is the point from getting that consumer, whether it's an, on an ad, to convert on your website. Um, and because of coronavirus, I have no team orders right now. So that's really where I'm putting most of my efforts. I will say that this whole social media takeover by all these movements going on right now, is definitely affecting sales because you can't, you, it's just not, it, it may not even be ethical to market in this environment, but that's something that I have to work on and figure out how, how can I still sell you apparel in a time where social media can't be my outlet to sell? Wow. Yeah. Do you have, what are some of like the, the, you know, plan B options there? <sighs> that's a, that's a great question. question. Yeah. I don't know. Who do we need to talk to to figure that out? Yeah. Um. I, you know, I think that, um, email marketing is quite powerful. Those um, gra grabbing onto those people that have been long-term supporters of View Apparel and explaining the situation where like you can't be marketing on social media right now because of the current situation, but you do need to continue to persist as a company. Maybe the route to um, getting some short-term sales to um, kind of smooth out this time right now, and then. I would like to think that this social media takeover is kind of temporary. Um, so then business as usual after this. But I do think um, having those loyal customers and offering them some sort of discount hmm. to come back and say, like, I support this brand in a time where sales are going to be tough is important. Mm. And, and do you have a team around you? Yeah, so uh, I kind of have a team around me. I kind of don't. Um, I'm a one-man show in terms of, uh, like, I, I don't have any official employees um, or partners, uh, but I do have uh, your cousin, Ari Faust. Who, hey, shout out. Yeah, he's our he's our good buddy. He should be out here soon. He's uh, helped me a lot with advertising on social media and just really learning how to optimize that sales funnel that we were talking about earlier. And then I have a bunch of salespeople that make money on commission for team sales. Um, and then... My brother, Danny, is helping me with fulfillment back in New York. Um, and he is just like, he's a real type A personality who's like super organized and being not that, um, it makes it hard for me to have an efficient warehouse. So he's really been able to uh, figure out how to get our inventory in line and have accurate inventory counts and just be able to ship in a more efficient manner, which inevitably brings down our costs. Mm. So to be able to successfully inventory and ship, you have to be very organized and 
just looking at small details. Is that correct? Totally. I think um, being organized, I think being organized in business is quite important and uh, surrounding yourself with people that have that type of personality that want to be organized and want to be efficient is quite important, especially being someone that's not like that. And you also grew up around an entrepreneurial spirit family. Um, can you talk a little bit about your family history? Yeah, sure. So um, starting uh, back in the 1980s, my grandma, uh, she decided that she would open one store. Eight, 1980s? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So 1980s, she opens one store, like a 20,000 square foot, essentially like every th- uh, a store where you can buy anything and everything, uh, like con- basically a Walmart, a mini Walmart um, in Brooklyn. And she was doing quite well. My my grandpa was always a big entrepreneur, but he was like, he was either doing it really big or having really big fails. Um, and that's, I mean, I think that's kind of where I get my uh, my love for risk. Mm. <laughs> you know, like he he, there were times where he was just doing really well for himself, and then there were times where he was absolutely broke. And uh, growing up, my dad definitely saw that. And actually, because of that, I think he decided he wanted to go the route of being a doctor uh, because he saw like. Being an entrepreneur is very risky. Um, and so my dad went to Penn for medical school, um, was practicing for three months, and then actually his wife um, moved, left him, left with this guy to New York, and uh, he chased her because he's a romantic. Mm. I love that guy. Um, and ended up that he didn't end up with his former wife uh, and decided at that point to join my grandma and expand her stores. Um, by then my grandpa was working with her as well and grew a, a one store in Brooklyn to 63 stores across the East coast. So, wow. yeah, so it definitely runs in the family and just having that around me allowed, just made it a lot easier, especially in terms of sourcing fabric, uh, finding manufacturers, et cetera. It was pretty natural to me. I, it wasn't like I know that's probably a pain point for a lot of people when they're like, I want to start a business. But for me, that was like, let's go ahead and do this. Right. Just, you already had that background and you were, you were sharing earlier that you and your family would go into the stores as kids and kind of look around. Can you talk a little bit about those experiences? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, just having outside views, um, as whether you're huge business at that time, they were like a half a billion dollar business. Um, but my dad always made a point to bring, me and my older brother and sometimes my little brother, Talia was too young at the time, but into the stores and just take a look and feel what's going right, what's going wrong, what would you want as a consumer um, and kind of optimize those things. And so it, it at the end of the day, it all ends up coming back to that idea of optimization, just optimizing what you have and making it better for the customer. Mm. Yeah. And that's the journey we're on, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. What's what's your dad's big advice to you? Does does you? It seems like he's a big influence in your life. What's what's kind of his overall overarching advice to you? Um, so my dad is, uh, as I said, he's a romantic. He's a really loving guy, and he's a family guy um, at the very heart, at his very core. Um, but he did spend a lot of time working um, and growing this business, and I think. Looking back on it as a 65-year-old, he says, maybe I should have had more balance in life. So he's always saying, like, Ethan, you should have more balance. Um, Mm. You should not work as hard. You should, I don't know, enjoy life. But at the same time, I I mean, first of all, I think I'm really enjoying life. I was rafting 17 miles yesterday. 
Uh, but I do think that that's advice that comes from someone looking back on their life. Whereas when you're looking at it now, you're like, man, I, I want to be passionate about this and I'm kind of obsessed with it. And I'm more of the mentality. I like his, I liked his mentality. Being obsessed with something is, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I also think when he says he needed balance, it's not like he wasn't at any of my, I mean, he went to all of my little league events. He was always there for us. Um, so, I mean, whether he thinks it or not, he was definitely there. So um, I do like the route he took, you know what I mean? Got it. Yeah. Man, that's sick to be at all those little league games, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, 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 me, Alex was uh, quite the athlete. Alex was, Alex is one inch taller than me. He's a lot leaner. Um, he was a, a great little league player. He had a few home runs. I think oh. I only hit one home run my one whole dinger. time. Oh, <laughs> one one so, big dinger. One big dinger. <laughs> so baseball wasn't the, wasn't the, wasn't the future for you. No. And your mom is also a very interesting uh, cat as well. Can you talk a little bit about your Yeah, so my mom, my mom has definitely also been a great influence on me and definitely brings out like the more fun side of me. Uh, my mom uh, grew up in New Jersey uh, from a different, totally different background than my dad. Uh, his, her, her dad, my grandpa, was a big corporate guy um, and did really well for himself. And... My mom went to Syracuse to study communications and was really cool. She was uh, like a talent agent for a while uh, with models and like had a really cool life. And it, it was a pretty big life. It was a big life. Um, my mom has definitely settled down since then. Uh, but she's so outgoing. Everyone that meets her loves Jody. Um, and I think like that ability to connect with anyone is something that I, I mean, I aspire to have. It's just, it's an awesome thing that you could meet someone from anywhere and have some sort of connection with them. Um, and I try to take that skill from her. Um, and now she's uh, working in real estate in New York. She's developed a bunch of homes within the Westchester area. Beautiful homes. Beautiful homes. She's like, I mean, <laughs> I've lived a good life. You know, she's she's made all of our homes so beautiful. Um, and I think just like she's a hardworking woman um, and so personal. And you would think like – you would think nothing is wrong in her world because she's just so nice and always has a smile on her face. And I think that's uh, something that is, uh, I don't know, pretty pretty admirable. Wow. And you say you get your fun, goofy side from her. Definitely. I mean, my dad's pretty goofy. It's just yeah. like in a more reserved way. You know, Got my it. mom is yeah. outgoing. Oh, we're, like Love she's it. the life of the party. Yeah, we were FaceTiming Jody last night at the end of our at the end of our 17 mile day, which was pretty funny. Yeah, she's she's a lot she's worried for our safety, but that's okay. <laughs> we made we actually had to rescue a, a kayak that flipped over in the water, which was intense. Ethan half his body was out the water, hold, grabbing onto this literally when it went a boat is submerged in water it's super heavy and it, ethan was holding on to it for dear life i mean we were going through some like class three white water and he was <laughs> he had like a bull's grip on this thing yeah so. i actually ended up i mean i had a bull's grip on it for probably like yeah i'd say like two minutes and then it eventually went under our raft and yeah. zach was the one that ended up inevitably saving the i raft. grabbed it and then yeah anyways it was crazy crazy to finally pull that boat out of the water dude it was amazing but it's a good feeling to save something like that you know oh yeah it was one of our friends kayaks yeah but uh can you talk a little bit about the ceo of a of a or the philosophy of a ceo like what do you think the what do you think is the philosophy that you would like to have as a ceo yeah um yeah, that's another thing that I definitely take uh, advice from my dad on and and more so looking at he, the way he operated as a CEO and figuring out what I would do differently. 
I think one of the most important things is surrounding yourself with the people that complement your skills, right? So I'm more of a big thinker. I can execute, um, but I'm not I'm not a type A personality. I'm not organized. I'm not the guy that you want to come to to get like a financial model done in like an hour. I'm not I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? I, I had an internship at Citibank and I was not offered a return offer. So <laughs> it's clear that I'm not your guy. Um, but what I am your guy for is making relationships, um, continuing to foster relationships, um, trying to bring out the best of the people that are around me um, and optimizing those processes. So being the big thinker behind the people or like with the people that are able to um, continue to just push your agenda forward. So I think as a CEO, you you have to be the big thinker. You have to always continuously be thinking whatever, one, two, five years in advance and and figure out how to relay that to the people that are should be thinking day to day or 10 days ahead of them. Hmm. Um, I I also think that a lot of this stems from playing uh, playing chess when I was little. Um, I played a lot of chess. I was quite good until yeah. I was 13. I was ranked. Yeah. Um, what was your rank? I think I was like number seven in New York. In, all, in the whole state of New yeah. York? Played a lot of That's chess That's insane, tournaments. dude. Yeah, I had, a, I had this... Um, I had this chess coach named Adnan. He was he's Eastern European. I'm not sure which country he was from, but yeah. he was a grandmaster. And, you know, like he taught me some pretty crazy things that <laughs> like oh just, just about thinking ahead. And then the other thing that he was he was always like ruthless. You know, he was he would tell me like go into a chess tournament and have no mercy. Like Whoa. Yeah, like he said <laughs> you would be at a point where you could win the match, but like if you were so confident that you were gonna win, like he said, like especially because you're going to be playing these kids again, like take all their pieces, you know what I mean? Just mess just with their mind. destroy them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, like, if you, yeah. you want them to come into that next tournament being quivering in their oh boots that they're going to play you again. So, I mean, like talk about psychological warfare. Whoa, yeah. Um, awesome. I mean, it's like, I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm, I, I'm not that ruthless. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I end up portraying that through my life. Uh, like that, that level of no mercy um, but I do think those lessons that I took away as like a 13 year old have played a big role in who I am today. Wow. Yeah. And so what would your advice be to young entrepreneurs that are seeking to create their own endeavor right now, their own company? Yeah. I think as a young entrepreneur, um, I think a lot of people first start with that worry of like, should I do it? You know? Um, and a lot of the time when people ask me that, um, usually they're like in college or they're about to graduate high school, I tell them, you know, you are paying $30,000 a year to go to college. What is What more is it if you spend another $5,000 trying to build a business and probably learning way more than you would learn in college? You know what I mean? That's the first thing. That's the way I try to tell them, like, it's not that much risk when you put it in the grand scheme of things. You know what I mean? Mm. And $5,000 when you're uh, like a 19-year-old, that's nothing. I mean, uh, that being said, I've definitely lived a pretty privileged life and I've had, I, I have the support of my parents if I needed it. Um, but I will say that like when I started U Apparel, whatever, $9,000, that's, that was my bar mitzvah money <laughs> through it at, through it at 500 pairs of shorts. And I didn't, I didn't bat an eye. I just was like, this is, I'm going to sell these and I'm going to sell them to whoever will buy them. Um, so first of all, having that mentality that, whatever risk you're taking is going to be a huge learning experience no matter what. 
So think of that as tuition costs, you know what I mean? Uh, second off, I would say that you don't have to perfect everything before going ahead and doing it. Make a minimal viable product um, if it's like something in tech. If it's like clothing, right? Make something you are happy with. You can always make more iterations of it. The people around you will support you. Um, maybe not the people you expect. I don't think I sold a lot of my close friends until way later, until like you girl was actually like a real product. You know what I mean? Um, but I do think that um, it's just important that you you get out there and start doing it and you don't have to perfect it before you go ahead and do it. Wow. So that, that's interesting that you you were expecting your friends to buy the buy the apparel and they were like the last ones to hop on the train. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, I remember. Uh, I mean, I was so I was in I was on a rowing team at Georgetown, right? And I remember thinking to myself, like, there were kids that bought shorts, you know, on my team, and they were like super supportive. They're like, "This is awesome, Ethan. Like, keep going." You know, there were others that were just like, "I'm not buying shorts <laughs> from you. Fuck you." You know what I mean? And that was like a big um, hit to my, like, I don't know, my aura. I was just like, wow, like you'd think your friends are going to be the ones that like, what's $20 to this dude, like to make my, like to make my dream come true. You know what I mean? That's essentially how I was thinking about it. Um, looking back on it, I don't really care anymore. Um, and I think it does say a bit about their character. Whenever I see like, for example, one of our U Apparel ambassadors out in um, the UK, he started a company called Mustache Cycling, which is like a cycling company. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to buy a shirt if it supports him. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's like this guy has put a lot of effort into like my dream. Why wouldn't I just, what, what's 25 bucks to help someone else's dream? You know what I mean? Um, so, Maybe I think about it differently because I was in that spot, but I do think that helping people succeed in whatever they're doing, um, taking the call from like an 18-year-old kid that wants to start a company, you know what I mean? I don't mind doing it ever because when I was in that position, I would have killed for that conversation with someone that I feel like has done it right, you know wow. what I mean? So what do you think is the best way for a friend to help out one of their friends who's a young entrepreneur or trying to start something? Yeah, I mean, I think um, giving it giving it valid, valid, uh, validity, validity. Yeah. There we go, validity. Validity. Yeah, giving <laughs> giving a company validity through social media is really easy. You know, what I mean, sharing that um, sharing that company's Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I remember in the beginning we would go, uh, I'd go like to different people and be like, "Hey, can you uh, like share this with all your friends?" You know what I mean. A lot of people would do it, but then a lot of people would be like, no, like that's too embarrassing. You know what I mean? And like, it's my pleasure, for example, to like share something on my social media. It doesn't, it, it like, if I believe in that person and whatever their product will be or is, I have no problem sharing it. Why not? You know what I mean? So just having that um, sense of understanding for another person is important as a friend. Mm. It doesn't have to be money. You know what I mean? It doesn't, you, you don't have to go and buy someone's product. Right. You could just, Go ahead and share. Literally, just share media. something, right? How big a deal is that? Most Not, of us, yeah. I don't think most of us are influencers anyway, so I don't think it really <laughs> freaking matters. No one really cares yeah, what you yeah, post. Yeah. Young influencers, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, so so one of the surprises was the people who were, weren't buying the product. Was has that been the biggest surprise um, in the three year journey so far? Oh no, <laughs> I mean I've had a lot of surprises. Um, I think you know I've had a lot of learning experiences as well. Um, 
uh, one of the things I did, I remember, was I when I f- basically maybe two orders from Taiwan after making those initial shorts, I was like, I should expand into shirts. <laughs> and I was like, I made these shirts that were just like two inches too short because the sam- like the sample that I had made was somehow flawed and I didn't even realize it. And I brought in like $3,000 worth of shirts that just didn't fit. How devastating. Devastating. You know what I mean? Oh like, and you can't sell those. So no. I kind of just sat on them. Uh, but like that, so that was a big mistake. I guess it's totally different than like that. It, it's a different, that's more of a business problem than like an emotional problem. Right. I don't think I've had since then real emotional problems within the business because I've taken it more like once you're off the ground, those friends, those low, like low hanging, quote unquote, low hanging fruit don't really matter as much anymore. Um, they are their core as a customers, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, but they're not like, you don't have to worry that they're going to leave as long as you treat them right. Mm. Um, it's just like a relationship, right? Like if you are like engaged in that relationship, no, there, there's no reason why things would go astray. Wow. Yeah. Have you heard, I, I heard some sort of business philosophy that's like, when you're thinking of what you're, what decisions you're going to make going forward, if you're getting big, you should think about, you know, the first 5,000 or something like that. Or like, you know, if, if you have a million customers, you should only think about like the 5,000 most loyal customers. Are you familiar with, have you heard of this philosophy before? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the concept of low hanging fruit. I think that like when you are, when you are starting your company, right, you need to figure out who those people are that are most likely to buy your product or use your service and uh, a lot of those times they're going to be your family and friends or they're going to be friends of friends or um, they're going to be people that are super engaged with the type of product that you're making a lot of the time recently I'm getting uh, direct messages about sustainability they're like Ethan I love what you're doing because it's all about sustainability and I'm obsessed with sustainability I want to make roads made of plastic you know what I mean that's what a kid that's in college researching, uh, like his, his, I think his major is sustainability. Wow. He reached out to me about that the other day. So he's like, that's why I like your product. So that's what a quote unquote low hanging fruit would be. Um, but yeah. 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 So you're familiar with that. Totally. What, what has been the hardest part about starting, starting your apparel? Um, the hardest part about starting you apparel, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I don't think there was like, I told you, I just went, I went, I went gung ho. You know what I mean? I just was like, I'm you going just went after full. it. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it huge, yeah. massive. That's another uh, nugget of wisdom for uh, the worms out here. Hey, like, shout out worms, baby. <laughs> like, if you're going to do something, do it big. If you're going to go rafting, you might as well go big. Mm. Uh, like, I think if you're going to build a business, don't build it to just be your local business. Build it to be a big one. Wow. I love that. That's I mean, I wisdom think nugget. <laughs> so what's, what's, what does the future hold for Ethan Rosen? What do you- um, yeah, so I think the future holds. Uh, I like I like the idea that I am an operator. Um, I recently started another company called Task Running with a guy named Spencer Brown, who is a big YouTuber, um, and I see myself doing that a few more times um, with other people and growing this network of businesses that I can continue to scale all based around sustainability, but within the respect of that each person's uh, network. So example, task running is running specific clothing. Uh, you apparel happens to be more of like the athleisure market. 
um, maybe my next person is a pro tennis player or a football player, you know what I mean? And going into those markets. And then I think once I have that network of businesses, I can use those to leverage my supply chain and um, my economies of scale to make you apparel essentially the sustainable alternative to like a Nike or an Under Armour within the um, within like the team contracts business. I'd like to be selling, I'd like to be buying the contracts of these universities and high schools and making them all their clothing for their athletes wow. um, and doing it in a sustainable fashion. That's super cool. And you think inf- the influencer market for these specific uh, whatever sports are going to help you get there. Yeah. I mean, I think that just having these athletes and having the ability to make different types of gear, right. Um, will allow me to understand all the different markets, understand what each consumer wants and provide that to the universities and high schools, um, through you apparel. Mm, Yeah. That's sick. That's sick, dude. Yeah. I mean, I think that like every partner, like for example, task running is an awesome partnership and, I think we're going to build a company that's going to be able to grow beyond the influencer. You know what I mean? And I think if we can continue to do that with three, four, five athletes, um, that will give me definitely give me the economies of scale to make you apparel that that alternative to the Nike or Under Armour in the college atmosphere. And speaking of Nike and Under Armour, both of them have really cool founding stories. Um, have any of those been influences in your? journey yeah i mean i think um i think phil knight's story definitely resonates with me i mean (laughs) i would love to just say that i can compare my life to his but i don't think i should (laughs) but uh he yeah i mean he was uh he after i mean he was brilliant just to begin with probably nine million times smarter than i am but uh he did his um graduate degree at stanford and then uh was like wandering the world and like ended up in japan and again, like Meta Manufacturer was like, I like your Tiger shoes. Let me be the distributor in the U.S. He did that, started selling all these teams. And then after some sort of quarrel with the other distributor on the East Coast, he was like, I'm going to make a company for myself um, and started making Nike. Um, and then so I kind of resonate with that story. Um, and because I just kind of ended up in time, I was like, like it. I'm gonna make a clothing company. <laughs> yeah, what up, manufacturer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I mean Kevin Plank, Under Armour. He he was selling like the teams, so I kind of I resonate with that as well. But he was doing it like old fashioned style back in the day. There was no social media to, like hit up teams via DM. So like you were just like showing up to a football game, opening your trunk, and like here's Under Armour, baby. Mm. Um, not glamorous at all. And that's the other thing about being an entrepreneur. It's not glamorous. It's not sexy. It's I mean, it's a lot of work, um, but again, it's like you you eat what you kill. So it's like hmm. it's a lot of uh, that hard work definitely pays off, and you see the value at the end of the day. Wow, eat what you kill, baby. Ka, ka, ka. Yeah, what was your chess master's name? <laughs> Adnan. Adnan, baby. Shout out Adnan. He's a man. Yeah, connect me to him after this. Dude. I want to. <laughs> He'd be chess. great for podcast. Actually. Oh my god. <laughs> annihilate the competition baby oh my god so one one thing that i've been bringing on to my show recently i want to ask you this question now is what is the meaning of life Ooh. so if we're going to talk meaning of life we're going to go deep deep into the wisdom uh where the worms lay <laughs> no i'm just kidding uh, yeah so i think the meaning of life um definitely revolves around 
having purpose. So maybe that means you're obsessed with something and you're building something and you're creating value for the rest of the world. And then on a more micro level, it revolves around your specific family, love, having children. Um, I'm so grateful that I grew up with um, all my siblings. Um, and I think that was like an awesome thing to have so many siblings and learn from all of them. We all learn from each other, built off of each other's lives. Like Alex is a big inspiration for me. Um, I would see him in high school and look at what he does right and does wrong and learn from that and like optimize my process, right? Like I saw, hey, if you're a great athlete, uh, you can go, you can get recruited to college. Um, if you do well in the SAT, you can go to a better college. Ari, he, we, Ari's now at Brown University. He's just finished his freshman year. Ari looks, I would assume, looks at Alex and I. He's like, Alex was a hell of an athlete. Ethan figured out maybe you should do a little better on the SAT. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he does that. Uh, he does a little better on the SAT, and now he's at Brown. Um, and, and Talia looks at us and does the same thing. You know, she learns from all of her brothers. Um, so I think that's just um, – like the way of life and it's kind of cool and beautiful and uh and Danny as well like he's like I feel like he he just got involved with you apparel um he's doing all this fulfillment and learning about the warehouse and um doing inventory and he tells me every day like he's learning so much about business and I think just having that like really close-knit network of family um is really important and that lineage that that kind of gives you purpose oh <laughs> that's be that's sick that's beautiful man <laughs> yeah i mean i i think about that a lot because i'm really grateful from for where i come from wow yeah family baby yeah well if you're not crying now it's start, time to start crying all right <laughs> so. well thank you so much ethan for coming on to the podcast um it's been a pleasure talking to you and it's also a pleasure to have you in Vail. I'm, uh, I'm, I can tell my friends really like you and your killer whitewater rafter, dude. Who would have thought that? <laughs> no, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to uh, share the podcast with everyone. And I know this is going to be the next big thing. So let's get going. <laughs> let's get going. Well, if you're not following it already, follow at you apparel on Instagram. Check out their website, youapparel.co. And if you like this podcast, make sure to hit that subscribe button and give us a review if you enjoyed the content. Have a wonderful day, folks.